It's episode 275 of The Platformers, a show about games and nerd culture, and I am your host, Brian Barnett. I'm Joshua Mobley, and my opinions are my own and not that of my employer. I'm Will Berger. Hi. All right, everybody. Will, thanks for being here tonight as our very special and soon-to-be-much-more-frequent guest. Uh, We're going to talk about a lot of stuff tonight, uh, including Diablo... We're going to talk about the case of the Golden Idol, Spider of Lanka DLC. We're going to talk a little bit about Darkest Dungeon 2. We're going to talk about a great many things. A great many so, things. So let's begin. Who wants to start? Who wants to, who, Does anybody have anything that's just burning up their breast? I mean, Zelda came out. <laughs> Zelda, Zelda came did... Out. Zelda did come I out. I know, Brian, you haven't had a chance to play it much. I got mine earlier today, just a few hours ago. Yeah. Have you In played? fact, I was supposed to write something. I was supposed to write something, and uh, then it actually had to get killed because the thing I was writing about uh, sold out before the thing that I was writing even had a chance to publish. It was mm. basically instantaneous. It was also about Zelda. Uh, but then I was like, oh, there's something at the door. And then I messaged Seth, and I was like, it's arrived at last. He's like, all right, I'm not going to ask you to do anything for the next couple of hours. And I was like, that's probably a good idea. So yeah. I popped it on ye old big screen and started playing, and my God, it's a Zelda game. Yeah, it sure is. A really good Zelda game. I got to say, it has one of the strongest starts of a game that I've played in a while. I would, as do you far mean- as... I'm going to try I mean, and be just really like, spoiler-free, but, like, do you mean in, yes, like, the we are area be com- that you go to? Completely spoiler-free. No, no. Okay. I mean specifically the the framing of, like, the first couple of cinematics uh, before the inciting incident and leading up to the inciting incident, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think is very cool, uh, you know. The moments, I'll put it this way, the moments leading up to the title reveal, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. are pretty great. I think the opening area is really cool, too, in that... I'm not done with it yet. I'm, I'm like, two-thirds of the, of the way done with it. Okay. It, it, like, weirdly, it feels like you have a pretty good amount of freedom, even though you kind of don't. Like, it's so intricately designed. It's um, very strange. To, like push you to like the places you're supposed to go, but you kind of feel like you're not being pushed. Is that like weird? Is that thing that like they did in Breath of the Wild? There's like this invisible hand that sort of guides you. The invisible hand of fate. (laughs) But you don't feel like you're being guided. Does that make sense? Like it feels like you're coming up on all this stuff like very organically, even though you kind of aren't. Um, I mean, I think that that is is what the best games do. Like, you know, think about Mario 1-1, you know? Think about the fact that they're like, okay, so we're going to show you that there's something to your right to get you to walk that way. You're, you know, the back of the level is right behind you. You can't go back there. So we're going to teach you, okay, you move right to move forward. And then there's a Goomba coming towards you. And then you, and then you get hit and you die. And then it's like, okay, well, what can I do to not die to this thing? Oh, you press B. Oh, I jumped. Okay. Now I know which direction I'm moving in and what my primary verb is. It's like, you know. Great, great. Uh, it's like a good bass player. It's like if, if somebody is skillful at playing the bass, you don't notice them. It's like good editing, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You do notice really you good editing. What you don't you do. notice is yeah. serviceable editing. As a yeah. as a professional video editor, I have to say this. <laughs> well, I would I would I would I would put a caveat in that that I'm not specifically talking about video editing because I don't think that that I think you know if you get into a really snappily edited film or something you know or video or something like that then i think that like it it, it kind of asserts itself yeah. you but, definitely yeah. notice it when it's very bad though yes, yes. i yes, notice it um yeah zelda though i will say like in that first hour even i hadn't even left the opening area yet where they're teaching you about basically all the new stuff like yeah um and i I, I remarked like Jesus Christ no wonder this took six years like and I wasn't even outside <laughs> of the like area because like the minute you start building stuff and you see how like intricate things get and how satisfying it is to like build a raft with a fan on it to like get across some water or whatever you're like yeah okay I can see why this took forever and then you know you're like being a couple hours in when you finally are kind of like free free like obviously you're free you know to ignore the main quest if you want but like at one point they're like you know they tell you like you got to go to these various parts of hyrule and do things like you would do in any other zelda you know um to like progress the main story but like as you do that you start wandering off and i started to notice that along like even if you're following the path you start to just see shit like off to the side like you'll see somebody who needs help you'll see somebody who needs help with some small task and they'll give you rupees or something or like right when you turn the corner there's like a cave with a skull above it and you're like okay what the fuck is that about so you like get off the horse and go over there like there's so many distractions to uh for you and while a lot of them feel very organic a lot of the time i'm remembering like well i am on the trail to like the next temple or whatever and so they put these things here on purpose like you know yeah. in some way for me to find but it it doesn't matter like my the other part of my brain's like shut the fuck up like you know like this is all great and not important and you're discovering yeah. like all this amazing stuff so uh yeah it's it's while part of it does feel like we're doing breath of the wild again it's sort of like breath of the wild but also is like what i would say because i actually really do think the addition of this the sky areas and the underground and the fact that hyrule isn't like a it's not a carbon copy because time has passed so like there is a lot that's different and uh all that combined with all of the new stuff, like, just, I, it's it's freaking awesome. I don't know what else to say about it. It's like, man, this game, I wish it ran a little bit more consistently good, but at the same time, I'm also like, who the hell cares? Like, I'm having such a great time. It's like, somehow they did it again. <laughs> they took, yeah. they're like, yeah. open worlds, they can be awesome if you spend six years making them, you know? Yeah um and like really fine-tuning them and it's like it's telling it's teaching me that yeah i i'm not necessarily tired of open world games i'm just tired of open world games that aren't mediocre zelda and breath and and, uh, elden ring because those ones actually do it right and everybody else is doing it like really wrong 
And it's crazy. It's so crazy that yeah. you're not tired of the two best companies that make the two best open world games. It's so crazy to me. Yeah. Well, because like I, I do feel every time somebody's like, it's an open world, I'm immediately like, ugh. But like, yeah. in this context, it doesn't feel like an ugh because I feel like I'm not going to, you know, while you do go to towers to reveal the map, when you reveal the map, it doesn't show you what's there. You know what I mean? It just yeah. shows you the like terrain. So you're like, oh, there's a river there or something, right? You have to like look off in the distance and be like, oh, there's a shrine there and you have to mark it yourself or like leave yourself notes so you remember like little things. I think that is like one of the core things that is great about that kind of game. But like no one, no one's doing that. It's like they, they want to just put all these icons on the map. So, so it feels like, you know, your brain goes, oh my God, there's so much content here. But in reality, like, that's boring (laughs) it doesn't matter how much content there is if it's not fun yeah and focusing on the fun is i think where both of those games stand out and i mean it's i've said this before i said this when i was you know reviewing elden ring and these sorts of things it's like if you're if your game if the point of your game isn't that it's open world it should not be open world Mm. and and zelda is is a fantastic example of not only is the point of this game that it is open world, we've added additional systems to make it, to, to give you like a level of freedom that I, you basically don't get in almost any other game. And like, I'm not that far, but like, it's not difficult to see that like all of the excellent things that you could do in Breath of the Wild, you can literally do all of them. And then they also give you tools to let you do way more and to let the stuff that you used to be able to do way more seamlessly. Like you used to have the magnesis ability, which was great because you could pick up items that were metal. Now they're like, what if we just let you pick up whatever and it doesn't matter whether it's metal or not. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, that's a way better idea. I love it. But then it. also, what if we give you a bunch of like wacky items that are like a fan or an, a flame emitter or you know, a portable cooking pot or, you know, uh, a big, essentially paper airplane made of stone. And we just let you figure that, figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is a Uh, lot of stuff in this game. Yeah. And sometimes it really feels like cheating getting through a lot of the things because they also give you the ability to like literally dive up through the ceiling and stuff. And there's other things. And sometimes I feel like I, I will say, I will say, I would like to avoid talking about any more of that yeah. sort of stuff because okay. I am like nowhere and I've avoided all of this stuff. Okay. I even deleted Twitter okay. for that sort of thing. Okay. But I will say a lot of times it does feel like you're cheating, but then at the same time you have to remind yourself that like they gave you the tools to do this, right? Yeah. To do these things. And so you're actually just doing what they intended like on yeah. some yeah. level. Yeah. As someone who's been playing this game basically nonstop since Friday um, for work, uh the thing that makes me really happy about it is i have always chosen to do the stupidest possible thing to solve a problem and it has always worked it's like (laughs) i need to climb this ridge i can't climb this ridge i'm gonna cut down like 10 trees and fuse them into one long uber tree and lean the uber tree up against the ridge and then walk up the uber tree and it works yeah i i was i was telling i was talking to will earlier about this 
And I was like, it's amazing how many problems you can solve by just making a really big stick. Yes. Like, it's, it, it is like I was, I was uh, playing and I was like, oh, one, one stick, two stick, mm-hmm. uh, long stick, thick stick. <laughs> you know, I can just make a stick and then attach it to a stick and I've got a double stick. Yeah. And you that do double that stick is going to solve all too. my problems. I can freaking smack. I, I did, and I'm not going to say anything more about specifics after this. But I, when I, when I was walking around looking at things, and was just like, oh, let me let me fuse some things together. Hmm, there's a boulder over here. I've been doing the rock on a stick thing. Let me try this other thing, and it just takes your shield and puts like a massive stone on it. Like, there's no way. Like Link is like May from Guilty Gear levels of strong that he can just carry around this ridiculous nonsense. Like, oh, here's a giant boulder that no mortal could lift. He also has enough uh, food in his backpack for like, you know, an yeah. army. Yeah. He's been picking apples and lizards and shit off the ground. He's got for... he's got Mary Poppins purse on his on his back yeah. and he can he also has the strength of Hercules. Yeah. It's it's a uh, madness. I I was I've been scrolling Twitter and if you've been scrolling Twitter and you've seen all the, you know, all the crazy stuff that people are building. I think the the thread that stuck out to me the most was um, it was some of the developers who worked on Sable, and they were like, "Playing Tears of the Kingdom as a developer is incredibly humbling." And all the replies were just a bunch of other devs like, "I don't understand how they accomplished X thing." Just like 20, 30 replies deep of, "I don't understand how this works. I don't understand how it all doesn't break." And six years. It's- <laughs> Six years and and basically you know all the time in the world in a very very uh, veteran team. Yeah, but it, it, you do play it and you're like, how did you build this? Like, it, it, you know, people are like, why did it take them six years to make the sequel? And then you like play around with it for a little bit and you then attach you play like, it. yeah, a minecart to your shield and surf down a hill, and you're like, oh, I see, I see. You're like, oh, I made a skateboard. Fuck, like, yeah. The hey, amount, Link, do a kickflip. The amount of like playtesting that probably had to be done by probably the entire team uh, was probably staggering. Uh, and it's amazing that like I haven't had anything like weird like break. Like everything feels like even when you do the wackiest shit, you suddenly still feel like uh, you're not actually breaking the game. You know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. like really odd. There are times where I do something and I feel like I shouldn't have gotten away with it, and I'm like, you know what? I'll take it. <laughs> like yeah, like uh, it's it's, but goddamn, it's so good. It's and so like, good. Yeah, I I. My only con- I'm like, how the hell do they follow this up? Like, it's already a feat, right, to follow up Breath of the Wild. I'm just like, honestly, like, it feels like one of those games that, like, will be talked about for legit generations. And it's like, I would have said, how the hell do you, like, improve upon that? Well, they did it. And now I'm again being like, how in the hell? Yeah. How do you do this again? Like, I have no idea. I Like, you know? where... Where does Zelda go from here? I have no fucking clue because it feels like they've really like pushed it. Like, where, to, I mean, let's yeah. be let's be honest. Where does Nintendo get off? A good game and delicious. 
Who the hell do you think you are? And filling? Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, the crazy thing is, though, like, you know, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk about what the future of Zelda is and what the future of Mario is. And and the thing about Nintendo is you can never predict what they're going to do. They're just going to do things. And you're going to be like... Is it going to be awesome? Or is it going to make literally no sense at all? Or both, right? Or both. With the Wii. Yeah. Like, people adore that thing. I think it sucks. I fucking hate that console. I have more... Uh, I didn't like it at the time, but I have a lot more... Um... I have warmer emotions toward it as it's aged. And as I think back on it and I'm like, you know, no, it wasn't the 360, which I loved dearly in the PS3, which I loved dearly. Like, no, it wasn't that, but that's sort of the point. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something really different and unique. And I, that's sort of what I like about Nintendo is like when everyone zigs, they zag. Um, yeah. And then, you know, people copy them for a lot of a lot of this shit but yeah without understanding why the thing worked in the first place most of the time yeah yeah we were talking about that as well they're like people like motion controls and it's like no no like they you know they like it in really specific instances it's that the like people like me will tolerate motion controls when the game is excellent I, i also i think maybe some developers this is like a larger conversation, but they might just think of features themselves or like, like they might think of get a game as, as the canvas and then they throw things on it. And then that canvas can just go into any console it wants to. I, I think the way to think about it is that the platform itself is the canvas and you design around the limitations of that thing. So, like, if you were going to sit down now and make, like, you know, make a Nintendo Wii homebrew game, you have, like, the ability to take advantage of all of these really weird and wacky things to do interesting things. Like, I don't want to play, like, you know, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn with a Wii. That's no the exact opposite of what I want. Like, what I really want is, like, we made this, you know... uh, platformer like there there's some game i forgot about but there, it's like uh it's a platformer where like you Mario use the motion Galaxy. controls no <laughs> use the motion controls in such a way where like you control the shadow the character is a shadow and the light casts on the environment in the shadow oh, contrast to, yes and i'm like that's cool like that's a really cool way to use like hardware in a way that makes a game that is not possible anywhere else like, Everybody be really impressed that I pulled that out of the fucking air. You did it. This really the obscure PS4 launch game. This uh, good. Yeah, I know. I don't think it's con- it might. I think it's something else. It's a Wii exclusive. Yeah, it's not Contrast. If it's, it was on the Wii, because I don't think Contrast released on the Wii. No. All right, everybody, take away all of the accolades that Wii you gave me for coming home with that one. Platformer, Shadows. Let's find out. Lost in Shadow. That's the one. Hmm. That's that's a kind of game that I'm like. This is the kind of shit that, like, I like having a Wii for. It's like, I can't get this anywhere else. Like, also, they have, like, light gun games, which you can't have since CRTs, right? So, yeah, if they release, like, House of the Dead on the Wii, you're like, oh, that's going to work. You know, that's exciting. Like, I like that kind of stuff. I like that Nintendo does that stuff. And I like that, that when they make their games, they use their hardware in that sort of way, right? Like, they take advantage, like, you know, aiming 
with the bow in Zelda feels so good because of those like extra motion controls and the like leaning in like that feels really good. And then there's, I'm sure there's tons of other examples, but yeah, we're, we're way off track. The point is we are tears of the kingdoms. Freaking great. I I was thinking about it literally like all day today while I was trying to work. I was like, man, I, we finished our first uh, temple yesterday and I'm like, there's three more and there's all those like other things to find, which give you the more like story stuff. But also like, I want to find the shrines and get more heart containers, but I also want to like get better armor and stuff. And it's just like, fuck this game, man. Like they did it again. I don't know how the hell they did it. All glory to, to the Ultra good. Hand. All yeah. glory to the Ultra All Hand. To, Ultra Hand yeah. is Ultra Hand is a thing I thought I I was like I don't really care about this. Like leading up to the thing where they're like you can attach rocks to sticks and do things. I'm like, who the hell cares? Like it's a Zelda game. I'm gonna do what you're supposed to do. But then the minute you're like, create some stupid gadget where you're like, I need to get up really high. I'm gonna put a flame emitter and a balloon on this block of wood and just like hit it and then grab on for dear life. And you just like take off into the sky. You're like, okay, I get it now. This is this is dope, you know. This is, uh, I I have never seen. Brian and I were talking about this earlier, and, and I don't want to like spend a ton of time on Zelda, but like, I have never seen a game reward you for being creative in the way that Tears of the Kingdom does. Like Minecraft, maybe, but you're built kind of building your own fun with that. Tears of the Kingdom is like, here's a box of Legos. You don't have to build the Legos. You don't have to create each individual Lego, which is what Minecraft is. Here's your Legos. Go have fun. And here's all these things. And there's like 50 different ways you can solve this problem. It's up to you. Go have fun. It all works. Even mm-hmm. if it's stupid, especially if it's stupid in my case. It's, it's I, even, it's almost even better if it's stupid. Like if it explodes at the end, but you like just jump to the next thing and barely make it. It's almost better than if it worked perfectly. Like, yeah, I like that the um, I like that some of the stuff feels like very inelegant, but it's mm-hmm. not inelegant because of the game. It's inelegant because of because of you, you know, it's, <laughs> like, it's, it's inelegant because of because of the physics engine, which is yeah. what makes it so charming. It's yeah. like we're going to Nintendo basically t- said, hey, you remember all those ridiculous videos of people solving problems with stopping time and shit in Breath of the Wild? What if we just cracked the world wide open and not only let you do that stuff, but also let you create the items that you could use to do that stuff? So, like, it just it just ex- exponentially becomes I, crazier. I like cannot wait to watch a speed run of this game. I've I've watched. It's gonna be insane. I've watched some like world record speed runs of Breath of the Wild, and it is pretty nuts. Like the amount of weird precision you have to do for certain things and it's so odd but it's like such a great example of just like using a game's mechanics against itself i can't wait for the weird like rocket mechs that people are going to create where they're like take me right to ganon you know or something like it's gonna be it's gonna be wild it's gonna be sick yeah i can't wait it's it's game good thank you game good Mm -hmm. game good (laughs) If you are one of the five people not playing Tears of the Kingdom, go buy it. It's great. Get it. Yeah. Buy it. And it. I and I should be I should be clear that like when I was if anybody if I've talked to anybody about like where I got my copy and that it was so delayed, I ordered it late. It's my fault. 
you know, but mm-hmm. I was trying to scrape together enough money to buy it. And then I did. You managed. I didn't realize I had so much money uh, that was in my budget for haircuts. So here's what we're going to do, fam. We're just going to freaking not cut the hair and buy a Zelda. So right. you know what? You can have a mullet just like Link. You'll feel dude, more connected dude. to him. His mullet is powerful. It is. It's a, it's a very powerful mullet. He has no nipples, though. He has no nibbles? Nipples. Okay. What? The engine couldn't handle it, Josh. Yeah. It was, it was, it was all, the, all the rendering power was spent on everything else. They couldn't... Look, <laughs> Josh, you can have nipples or you can have fire-powered rocket cars. I'll take the car. Which one do you want? I'll take the cars. There was there was a point okay. early in development where they were like, "Look, we can either give Link nipples or we can use the Ultra Hand." I, I this just can't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they rightfully you know this, but <laughs> nipples overclock the CPU heavily, <laughs> so we just cannot. That's why we didn't give them to you in Mario uh, Odyssey <laughs> either, because the engine just oh, couldn't take it. I forgot that Mario had no nipple. I mean, maybe they just are like no nipples on anyone. Maybe that's like a Nintendo rule. Nobody gets nipples. Now anyway. that we've made it weird. No, now that we've just we've we've put down like we've we've created like seven different yeah. potential episode names. Yeah. Uh, then we can uh, we can get after it. Yeah. Let's tank the algorithm and make sure nobody uh, ever hears this show again. We'll we'll, we'll end Zelda. And I'll give it a you know the coveted Catch the Fever award because yes yes the platformers Catch the Fever award. I I am not that far in and I would also give it the Catch the Fever award. Yeah. Three thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Three thumbs up indeed. Um, let's pivot a little bit and before we talk about another new game. Um, so new, in fact, that it's not even out yet. Uh, I want to revisit uh, something that I talked about last week, which is Darkest Dungeon 2. So I had talked about my thoughts on this, and I came across as fairly cold, uh, but I wanted to go back and revisit Darkest Dungeon 1. Cold and unfeeling. <laughs> uh, not that I didn't like it, but that I was very frustrated with the way that it changed things and i played darkest dungeon when it first released not on consoles but on pc so it's been a long time since i've played darkest dungeon um so i wanted to go back and as i had as i played through more of darkest dungeon 2 i wanted to revisit the first game and see how much of those things that like in my mind felt really cool and i preferred them over this game and see if I actually felt that way. And let me tell you, after going back and revisiting Darkest Dungeon 1, uh, I am really glad that they did not do the things the same way that they did before, because I forgot about some of that shit. Um, One, I forgot that your status ailments don't go away at the end of battle in Darkest Dungeon 1, and they do in Darkest Dungeon 2, which is very nice. Also, managing multiple different versions of the same class of character just because you're having to juggle between handling their stress and things like that uh, is a little obnoxious. In this game, you don't have to do that. You have one version of every character. If you've unlocked them, you just have them for every run. But if they die during the run, 
you won't have them again until you start your next run. Um, oh, wait, so there's not, like, permadeath? I mean, there there is permadeath per run, but no. In between runs, you oh. get all your characters back. And when you pick them up next time, they will have different quirks at the beginning of your next run. Uh, but they've also unlocked, and I don't, rem- I don't remember this being in, in the first game at all, but um, there are now different paths for these characters. So I've gotten to a point where I've advanced and maxed out uh, two different characters, and I'm partway through doing a third one. So there are specific storylines for what happened to all of your party members. And when you get to places on the map as you progress called Shrines of Remembrance, um, they will put you through... Okay, you're starting with the Highwaymen, and it'll start with Chapter 1. The next time you get to one, if you clear this one, it'll be Chapter 2 or whatever, or if you start with another character, it's Chapter 1. But those those progressions endure and those unlock permanent new skills that you can add to your characters. And anytime you go into the pause menu, anytime you're not in combat, you can switch which characters or which abilities your character has equipped, uh, which is really, really nice because if you come up and you're like, okay, I'm going into the area where there's, you know, it's the fisherman's village or whatever. And the fishermen are really resistant to, let's say, bleed or something like that. Well, I can take off all my bleed-heavy abilities and I can put on my plague or blight abilities or something like that. Like, you can very quickly switch, you know, what's going on. Um, but, yeah, so so that level of freedom and flexibility, it's kind of like going from Diablo 2 to Diablo 3, where it's just like, once you unlock the ability, you always have it. If you want to use it, you can you just use it. You don't need to carry 30 potions. You don't need to carry 30 potions. I mean, in this one, you do. You do need to carry 30 potions. But uh, but there's also, you know, there's more... Um, th- they've simplified things. So, like, you don't have to go and stick somebody in an insane asylum to try to, you know, get one of their negative perks removed or one of their other perks solidified. You just have to have money and then go to a field hospital. Now, you have to find a field hospital on the map, but once you get there, for, like, 16 gold, you can remove a negative quirk. For 32 gold, you can uh, lock in one of your positive ones so that no matter what happens, that can't be removed from your from your character for the rest of the run. Um, so, so did they just, like, make this game easier? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. No. No, they did not. Game is still really hard, but they did add the the thing that I like about it is the, um, they added something called and I don't remember if I talked about this last week, so remind me if I didn't. Um, they added something called the Radiant Flame and the Infernal Flame. So mm-hmm. the Radiant Flame is something that I forget if you have to end a run first. I don't think you have access to it from the beginning, but pretty soon uh, in your playthrough you will be able to buy something at the first end. So the way that it's the way that the game is structured is you start, you roll your carriage forward, you select your characters, you move forward, you do one battle and then you get to an inn. At that inn, you can buy some stuff to prepare for your run, you can, you know, tweak some of your abilities, you can use your mastery points to upgrade the skills that your characters have to make them better versions of themselves or do different things. So for example, after doing a couple of um 
his like shrines of remembrance and seeing into his backstory, the highwayman got this ability called highway robbery where he can remove two positive tokens off of enemies. So like, let's say your, your enemy has this ability to put these defensive buffs on themselves. So they have two charges of something that reduces their damage taken from their next attack by like 75%. So I can use highway robbery on, on my highwayman and those buffs just go away. When I spend one mastery point, which you get for like completing certain things around, I can at the end upgrade that ability highway robbery. And now instead of removing those buffs from the enemy, I steal them. And now I have them, which is chef's kiss. It's really, really good. So there's a lot of stuff like that where it's like, okay, this ability will remove statuses. Like I've got a plague doctor. I've got a healing ability. The healing ability will remove the status ailments from my uh, allies. If I upgrade it, it also, when he does that to them, it also removes any status ailments that he has. So it can be very important to, you know, deciding whether you want to use those mastery points to buff your healing, to buff your damage dealing abilities, to give some of your powerful abilities like really awesome side effects and things like this. Um, and leaning into those, uh, and then also, um, I'll talk about candles, which I, I'm not sure how deeply I went into those, but I use them a lot more. Um, you also earn like permanent things. So like if you played Hades, uh, it's like darkness. Um, so like darkness and like the uh, mirror of reflection, I, th I think it was called the, the mirror something of darkness. Like, or... Something like that, yeah. The mirror of night or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so when you would finish a run, you would have a permanent currency as well. And that's candles in Darkest Dungeon too. Um, so at the end of each run, you go back and there's a menu where you can spend those candles to permanently unlock things. So one thing you can do is you can go through a list of all of the possible characters that are in the game and you can just unlock them. So like, let's say it takes five, let's say on your last run, you got really far, you earned like 40 candles. You can use a couple of candles to unlock a new character and then you can use more candles to give them permanent buffs. So like add 20% bleed resist to them. And then just from then on, they just have it, you know, stuff like that. You know, you also, as you're going along the nodes on those character upgrades, you will unlock things called paths, which will kind of be like specializations for them. These are things that you decide at the beginning of your run. But for example, on my plague doctor, you've got your standard one, which has no bonuses, but then the first one you unlock is called surgeon. And this makes your ability to apply blight to other people not as good, but it makes your heals way better. So you can focus your characters into specific ways. You know, the first path I unlocked for the grave robber makes it so her melee abilities are not that good, but her th like ranged throwing abilities, like throwing daggers and poison darts and stuff get way better. And that was all I was doing with her anyway, so it's just a straight buff to, to the play style that I was already interested in. Um, and this is stuff that does not exist in Darkest Dungeon 1, and this is where I'm having like the most fun with this game, is leaning into, you know, trying out the new characters, seeing if I like them, you know, revisiting, you know, that sort of a thing, and finding really cool synergy between those characters. Like, for example... If I upgrade, so I, I, I got my Plague Doctor maxed out. That was the first character I maxed out because Plague Doctors in Darkest Dungeon are just my favorite characters. 
Um, they have a thing called, I think it's called like indiscriminate medicine or something. It's an ability where they can heal you and they can remove the negative uh, statuses that you have on you to make the heal even better. So the more messed up your character is, the bigger the heal. Uh, but if you upgrade it, it also uh, f gives you extra healing by consuming your positive status effects. So I've combined that with my Highwayman's ability to steal statuses from the from enemies. So I can just stack two statuses on him every you know two turns or whatever, and then that makes it so I can wait until he's almost dead and then just instantly heal him to full. Like and the fact that my Man at Arms, which is my defender guy can uh, defend a character and then they both get two statuses or three if I've got it upgraded. Uh, one of them gets two, one of them gets three. So it just makes my ability to heal them way easier. So developing that sort of a team synergy uh, is I think way more satisfying in this game than it was in the previous one. Um, and so since the last time that we've talked, I got, uh, I beat the first chapter and I am, you know, I, I feel, I feel really good about the run that I'm on right now on chapter two. Um, you have to defeat layers with like really hard bosses. And I believe I have fought three of the four, uh, layer bosses. I've only beaten two of them, but they're really hard and they revolve around like very specific ideas. Um, one of them is like a, a creature from the deep. And one of the mechanics it does is one of the messed up things about bosses in this game is that you can feel like the regular fights are pretty easy. And then you get to like a layer boss or an end bot, like a confession boss, which is what they're called. And then they just stomp you into the dirt because they get like six turns for every turn that you get. Uh, and they have just an absurd amount of health you know, and all that sort of stuff. But um, they each revolve around a very specific kind of gameplay mechanic. One of them has like a couple of piles of meat and it tempts you to eat the meat, which gives you like this really fucked up debuff. Um, and because your characters, you lose control, uh, they like move forward one turn to try to get closer to the meat so they can eat it. And so like, if you have specific places where your characters need to be to use their abilities... Like they, they just, they'll move out of that and it becomes really difficult. There's another one where one of the characters, like uh, one of the layer bosses takes one of your characters and traps them and damages them for an extended period of time. And you have to like get them out or else, you know, they'll die. And a lot of pressure is put on the rest of your, uh, of your thing. There's one really messed up one that's based on trees where trees will just grow around your characters and then you just can't do anything. And then you die. I came in woefully unprepared to that one. So I'm not looking forward to doing that one again. But but overall, yeah, I, I would definitely say that uh, it's one of those things where uh, it's very easy to let nostalgia cloud your judgment. And so it's very important to check that by going back and actually verifying how things were. Uh, and there were some cool things that I really liked about the first game, but I think that everything that Darkest Dungeon 2 is doing, apart from, like, I still think the carriage thing is kind of dumb, but after after going back and experiencing how tedious those hallways I was pining for were, I was like, well, you know what, I'll, I'll take the carriage. So. 
anyways, those are my those are my updated thoughts. I'm I'm really looking forward to playing more of it. It's crazy that with so many games coming out and so many games that I am excited to play that I haven't even touched yet, like Jedi Survivor, uh, that like Darkest Dungeon Two is still just like when I've got some downtime, like I'm just like let me let me pop open my laptop, just play some play some Darkest Dungeon Two. It's real good. So. Cool. I just went on one, a long, one long ass I'll, rant. One day I'll try it because I do really like um, the original Darkest Dungeon, but I did find it like really hard, <laughs> like just exceptionally hard. Like and and you know, one bad run could ruin your whole like game. Yeah. You'd be like, well, I guess I can't play anymore, right? Yeah. So one thing that I will say about that, actually, a couple of things that I will say about that which I like, I didn't actually finish this earlier, but the, after you very early on, you can buy this thing at the first inn called the radiant flame. And the radiant flame is something that you can equip on your carriage and it gives you various buffs. So, and each time you fail in one of your expeditions, the radiant flame gets stronger. So this is kind of like, uh, if you remember God mode in Hades, where like Mm -hmm. every time you die, you get like, 5% 5% damage resistance or something like that. Right. It's kind of like that. Um, now on the other side, you can spend candles to unlock something called the infernal flame, which makes things harder. Uh, if you want to do that, um, there are, those masks are out there. Sure. 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 They and there's, to, there's the like, once harder. you like really find something that sings for you, like I get that, like you want to up the challenge. Like I was definitely the same way, you know, with breath of the wild, you know, I wanted to do it, I wanted to do a harder version of that. And then master mode is like, what if we did regenerating enemies? And I was like, I am out. I am not doing that. But uh, yeah, yeah. So there are things like that. And then also like you put so much time into these characters, you unlock all of their abilities and like they die on a run and it's like, okay, they're dead. But on my next run, like I still have them, which is something that like really felt bad where it's like, you're going into the darkest dungeon in darkest dungeon one. And, like, your dude that's been with you for, like, 10 hours just becoming awesome dies. And then he's just dead forever. And you have to start over and build a new guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you, th- that that feeling of loss, like, it doesn't happen. And regardless of even, like, how close you get to the end. Because I definitely, first time I got to the end confession boss for the first chapter, like, I got my freaking teeth kicked in. But then I start, but then I like died, went back to the starting screen and I had a bunch of candles to spend. So it was like, okay, so like, I'm not leaving with nothing. Mm -hmm. So I have definitely, I've had some, some losses that were frustrating, like against that, the, the boss is called the sleeping general, which is the guy with the tree. Uh, I had some where I was just like, damn, I like really had no choice, like no chance here. But it still didn't feel too bad because even at the very least, I had like a couple of candles that I could spend. So uh, I would say if you're if you're interested in in an experience that is like I feel like probably more approachable and more accessible, uh, as long as you are willing to just kind of not like pay too close attention to all of the tutorials that they show you all the mm-hmm. time, like it, it was that. I, I don't know what I would have done differently, but I would have done something differently there. Like maybe have it where like on your first on your first couple of runs, like only certain mechanics can appear. And then just like slowly over the next couple of runs, like ease you in on like, okay, the next run we can introduce 
like freaking movement abilities yeah. or something or like the next run we introduce like oh 75% dodge abilities or like worship which is like a crazy mechanic or a bunch of other like there's just so much in this game it's crazy yeah a lot of, I know a lot of card games when they do their tutorials will do that where it's like you play the first game and you just learn like you know put the monsters down and make them attack that's it yeah. and then the next game they'll be like here's how spells work and like you just do that until you understand the full breadth of all of yeah. the rules and stuff so i feel I, like inscription I, did a really good job with that i didn't get far enough in it to uh yeah have an opinion on that but i'm with you i i will get like super fatigued when a game is like and then and then do this and then do that and then do that and yeah. you're just like okay like it's just like give maybe me there's a, give me a freaking second bro. like maybe there's too many rules you know like yeah. that kind of thing you ever think about that yeah <laughs> like maybe make it slightly uh less this yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah it's good cool so catch the fever it is it is it has ascended it has ascended from the depths of man i don't know about this game it's really frustrating to you know what something about this game is pretty good pretty good so i'm excited to play more which will definitely happen so uh if i break over into chapter three and everything just the, all the wheels fall off then you're definitely going to hear about it so what are we going to talk about next cool. will what you got uh the only other thing i feel like i can talk about at this point is diablo 4 which we all played yay yep. uh yeah so i played the closed beta and then i played the server slam which was this past weekend and uh diablo 4 is really good you guys like it it's is really, really good. it is it's really good um it's it's kind of made me angry how good it is because i'm still waiting like i have vowed not to spend give uh activision blizzard any money until that deal goes through and <laughs> Basically, that means I'm not buying Diablo on uh, release day, which is really hard for someone like me because I grew up with this franchise and it's legit probably one of my favorite franchises and games. And I have to just like yeah. wait on this one, which really hurts, um, especially after playing it. And I was like, fuck, this game is awesome. <laughs> game is awesome. You know what's crazy? What, you know what's crazy? I, I'm trying to think of now. I know that there's not that many of them. Mm-hmm. but I'm trying to think of another franchise where literally every mainline title is awesome. Oh, like, no. and I, I mean, we I, could, we I, could sit here yeah. for a long time and try to think of one, but I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Like every game I've got, because they don't make them. They don't make them that often. What is it? That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's only four. Also, yeah. uh, I would <laughs> say that the final, expansion for starcraft 2 is not good <laughs> it was i guess it depends on if you consider super, all of those super individual games I, I mean they were like their own campaigns like yeah. part of the swarm is like phenomenally good and then legacy of the void legacy that was what it was void. called right yep so yeah. they just like turned it into warcraft and i'm like this is so lame like so disappointing I, mean, I guess i don't care i like if you're talking about the story yes but also like i as far as like a games that you can go and play and the levels are good. Yeah. I think sure. Great. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't care about the story. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, hey, you know, we were talking earlier about how Nintendo is, you know, like amazing at making great games. Blizzard also pretty good about making games. Who would have thought? Most most of the time, yeah, most of the time, yeah. And uh, most of the time, we're not going to talk about Overwatch two. No, but Diablo four is really good. All Diablo, Diablo 4, four is, is really, really good. good. I uh, I played a Necromancer. I'm not sure who you guys played. I a played rogue and a Druid. Wow. Okay. So I started off as something. I I can't. Oh, I started as a necromancer, but I only played till about like level five, and then I was like, I feel like the necromancer playstyle was a thing I was into when I was a kid, but now as an adult, I'm not as into it because, like, especially in Diablo three, I was not into the necromancer really at all. Uh, I always played wizard and barbarian, and so. I decided because my other friend who I was playing with, she always, she played just an obscene amount of Diablo 2. So she was always like, Lightning Sorceress was like her shit. So she's like, I'm going to play uh, Sorceress or Wizard or whatever it's called in Diablo 4. But I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be different. So I'll play Barbarian because I like, I just like Onga Bunga hit stuff. So um, I ended up starting over and just playing Barbarian to max level, which was like 25, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I got to. So we all played something different. So that's that's interesting. That's pretty good. And I found it very uh, shocking the degree to which, uh, at least as a necromancer, I was basically always one hit away from death. Um, <laughs> like until uh, until very late when I got a particular upgrade. So I I, I pivoted. So I started. Obviously, Necromancer is all about getting them skelly boys, getting all those bone bros. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I just had my crew of bony, bony bros, and uh, they the just got. Bone yard. I need you guys to stop saying bone. I just. Uh, so yeah, so I had I had all my all my bone guys, and. Then they, but they, if you, the moment you run into any elite enemy or anything, they just instantly were killed. Um, and so I was like, dang, like, and then I got to raise these new guys. And there are abilities that let you create corpses and stuff that you can raise them from, which is nice. But the fact that you basically constantly have to be raising new ones, uh, because they can't take a hit at all was really, really frustrating um, particularly because I was playing on like world tier two, which is the more difficult, um, setting that that's, you could do. That's the one I played on because I thought like when I first started, I thought the normal one was just a little too easy. Yeah. Um, not that that's like, not that that's bad. Like, I think if you're, if you're coming to Diablo four and you're like, I've never played one of these games before, which I actually think if you've never even played a Diablo game, like Diablo four, just based yeah. on the opening story stuff, I'm like, you could just jump into this, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely could. Like, I think if you're just getting into ARPGs, then it probably, it's probably fine. Um, but for me, who's been playing ARPGs since they were like seven years old, I was like, how many, how many, I need freaking... a little, you know, I need, give me a little bit more challenge than this. Like, so I ended up bumping. How it up. many challenge dungeons did we do just together, Josh? Like, a how lot. many, like, I like, how many seasons did we max out I, just I, together? I rolled a barbarian in like 
like the last Diablo three season, like three months ago. Like I, yeah. I still sometimes go back and play that game. Now, once this one comes out and I feel comfortable giving them my money, I, I don't think I can ever really go back to Diablo three, even though it's like really different. Like this, yeah. this feels Diablo three as great as it is. And Brian and I've talked about how much we love it. Like in retrospect, it's not quite Diablo-y enough. Yeah. Like it doesn't really it's very feel different. like a sequel to Diablo 2. Diablo 4 feels like a direct sequel to Diablo yeah. 2 in a lot of ways, like tonally and mechanically in a lot of ways. It is very dark. Like it is very yes. sinister in a way that Diablo 3 never felt sinister to me. No. Because Diablo 3 like uh, like I know in Diablo 3 they retcon a lot of stuff from like Diablo 1 and they kind of made it more dark horse comic-y a little more like world of warcrafty kind of you know and i yeah. think what people going back to starcraft that's what i didn't like about the final expansion of starcraft 2 as someone who cared about the story was that like starcraft never felt like that to me it always felt like it was a little more gritty and um not necessarily like we've got to save the world it was like a bunch it, of different yeah. factions kind of going about their business and colliding into each as other. A you know? Multi-species, like interstellar adventure can be. It felt like one of the most grounded things that Blizzard did. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I'll, and then so for Diablo, it sort of feels that way. Like it has that kind of like we're saving the world thing, but at the same time, it's sort of like but not like in a very glorious kind of way. You know what I mean? Like the world is like, is the, like the world is already kind of gone to shit. So we're just sort of like saving what's left of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas in Diablo three, it's sort of like not that it has, a, it has a very different vibe, but this it's like literally from the onset, it's like you're in the, you're in the middle of a freaking snow desert and your horse is getting eaten by like uh by demons demons and shit and you're just like gotta trudge through the snow so i don't die and fight these like demon wolves and shit i'm like yeah. okay this immediately you know um has like that old diablo 2 vibe that like grimdark sort of vibe to it which i was really into yeah there um, is there is an element of you're the only one who can do this that I don't like. But I think that in, in, in other ways, I mean, it's definitely not the power fantasy that Diablo three was. No, not, not yet. Not yet. But I yeah, mean, you they're, definitely, they're as definitely... you level up, I felt like I was getting like, Oh, like, yeah, like, give me the, you know, I want to get strong. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like what? Yeah. And one thing that I thought was really interesting. I don't know what other, I mean, I'm sure there is, there are like, things about this for different classes but in addition to having like ability points that you could spend every time you level up which i like and they are you know they're in like a like a downward tree where you like work your yeah. way down which i thought was kind of interesting you pick up from like a ra radial menu you can decide to lean into passive abilities and you can decide what sort of signature ability that you want to get which you know makes it a lot less 
makes it a lot more like Diablo 2 and less like Diablo 3, where it's just like, you let, hit level 16, I, so you get X ability. I know? feel like it's a middle ground between the two, because Diablo 3, yeah. like, in the middle of... You could play 100 hours as a fire wizard and be like, I'm going to switch to ice, and you could just switch and something yeah. there is something about that that i like in like at some level but i also like the intent like i made this character yeah. and they you know i set out to make them this build and they are this yeah. build and like mm -hmm. um but also it i had to choose you have to be a little I, more know, creative with your picks yeah, you, on the tree you have to pay for your respects and i had to decide hey pay i want to switch <laughs> you know i want to uh <laughs> I didn't even think about that's that. That's a good, that's a good, hey, that's a Diablo podcast coming soon. Pay your respects. Pay your respects. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, but yeah, so I, I had to decide, hey, I'm going to put three, three points of, you know, three of my, of my level up skill points into a passive ability to give me thorns. And then, you know, when I got up high enough, I didn't only have access to my ability points and skill tree, but I also got uh, access to something called the Book of the Dead, um, which let me lean into specific aspects of things. So like, first of all, I unlocked the ability to summon skeletons, which is something you start with, but then I got the ability to unlock different types of skeletons. So it's like, okay, so I've got regular skeletons, I've got scythe skeletons that focus on dealing more damage, and then I have shield skeletons. And once I upgraded my skeletons to the shield skeletons and leaned into the specialization of those where they got like, I think like 70% of my thorns and stuff. And I'd been giving myself thorns because I've been kept getting hit all the time. Um, then it started to turn around for me and my guys were living a lot longer. And then I got the ability to summon skeletal uh, mages, which is always a... a a great way to go with the necromancer in all these games. And then I got the ability to make those cold skeletal mages. And then I just, I just kept being able to lean into all of these different things. I got a legendary that let me summon like several more skeletons or skeletal mages. And it just, mm, I was in my happy place. So, you know, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's awesome. I'm excited to play more classes. Like I'm excited to try out the barbarian and the other, uh, character classes like that, but um, I've played a necromancer in every game uh, except obviously there wasn't one in Diablo 1 um, but since they introduced the, the necromancer in Diablo 2 I've played that, or I think I did play a D2 paladin first and just went crazy on a thorns build I love thorns, so when they didn't have those in Diablo 3, I was like, I'm gonna try the witch doctor because this is the pet class and then they added Necromancers back, and I was like, hell yeah, boys, we back! <laughs> and so I'm very pleased that they're adding this one from the jump. But I'm also uh, excited to see them bring back, you know, the Diablo 2 expansion uh, class, you know, like the Druid and stuff like that. I'm, I am very excited to spend more time in this world, uh, particularly because I think that the antagonist is very interesting this time around. I'm really curious to see what happens uh, with this. I'm, and what I'm, they do with the character's connection with this uh, with I'm, this antagonist. I'm curious about that too. I weirdly am like not expecting much from the story. I I always just kind of expect like the Blizzard stories to be like serviceable. 
Um, yeah. But I did think that, like, the story content that we got in the beta was, like, pretty good. And, yeah. And interesting. I was like, okay, this is, uh, especially that church scene is, like, haunting. But yeah. in a great way. You know, it, like, it, ha- it, it, uh, it serves its purpose, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like I also a great really like vibe the, check. The, <laughs> yeah, I really like the the stuff that happened like right before the end, like beyond the Black Lake. In mm-hmm. uh, a very interesting thing, and and speci- I mean, this speaks specifically to my interests as a necromancer. There are several major players from Diablo history that are very important to necromancers that play a prominent role in this game at least through the uh, beta and server slam content, uh, which I was incredibly pleased to, you know, be playing a brand new game and have them mention characters that I am incredibly familiar with. uh, If, if not only from their works and the things that they are known for, uh, you know, but from, you know, kind of the, the flavor of the characters themselves and to see them get some screen time is really cool. It feels, um, I think that, that that is a great way to make this uh, game feel rooted in the lore and rooted in like just the bones of this world uh, in a way that Diablo 3 did like kind of nominally because like they had the primevals, you know, like the, like the, and all that sort of stuff, but um, but it it didn't really hit the way that this is hitting, yeah. you know, or you know the way that I mean, hopefully, hopefully this will hit the way Diablo two did because by the time you you find uh, Bale in Diablo two, it's like nuts, mm-hmm. you know. I my so one I, hope, I'm, um, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. My one hope for the story is that they don't devolve into the thing that Blizzard loved to do in that generation, which was like take a female character and suddenly make her evil in the middle of the plot which they've done in starcraft and then they did in diablo 3 and it's just like jesus christ like don't do this i mean it it, i'm sure they don't they're not going to do that anymore but it like and world of warcraft also and world of warcraft and warcraft 3 (laughs) you know um, that thing. That actually, they did it in World of Warcraft twice. Yeah, at least twice, actually. Mm-hmm. That's but, the thing. Yeah, but we'll we'll see. That's the thing that I'm the most interested in is um, how the seasons will change the game because I feel like Path of Exile has sort of created this, like, especially in the action RPG space, like sort of created this expectation that like your seasons aren't just like a gimmick that happens you know like in diablo 3 it would be like oh in this season um like there's these like extra items that you can get it's like man path of exile every three months like clockwork for like almost eight years has added like almost a new mechanic to that game so like when you jump in it is a little uh daunting in that there are so many systems at play and so many things that's like there's a mine there's there's you know the main story there's uh like a crafting thing where you capture monsters and then kill them and turn them into items and there's like all these things they've added over the years and but the thing is people love that 
Like they want the new systems just piled on because it just means there's more stuff to like interact with like in the long run. Uh, but in Diablo, they've never done that. I'm wondering if in Diablo 4, they'll start to kind of do that. Like, just as an example, like, uh, in the current season in Path of Exile, they have these, like, crucibles that are around. I've been playing, like, this season, so I know. But there's, there's like, crucibles that will randomly pop up on the map. When you go to them, every single item, like, weapon or shield or whatever that you have or an offhand has this, like tree that is randomly rolled on it and you go to the crucibles and you adjust like difficulty and you have to like fight a mob of monsters that will appear but you pick the difficulty but the higher you push the difficulty the faster that tree unlocks on your item and it gives you extra stat bonuses or like extra features and when the season's over there's a chance that just gets added to the game like permanently because they've done that with a lot of things some of them don't because they like you know they're like uh it worked out better than we thought or it didn't quite work out the way we thought so we're not going to add it in but most of the time they're just like all right shove it in so if you go play that game now it's like tons of there's tons of stuff in there that's like from just seasons past and I want Diablo to do that. I'm like, just keep piling it on, man. Like, I know that, like, it's fairly complex now. But, like, down the road, like, five years from now, I want to be able to be like, yeah, we also have the mine p part of the game. And we also have the this crafting thing. And there's also these random encounters you can do. And there's these cards you pick up to, like, give to someone for random drops or whatever. Like, I want all that, all that shit, like, all the time. Um, please blizzard give it to me i don't want it to just be like there's there's this thing for this season and then it's gone I'd be like okay, yeah well, it's kind of lame there's a, there's also uh we've definitely entered a new era because i tried to install the service slam on my laptop and it's like yeah your laptop uh is probably not gonna do this dude or what and i'm like damn like it's it's just like it's just like yeah your your cpu is not oh, fast enough slam. like your computer's not yeah. good enough uh, and I'm just like, damn, yeah, it's my, like that, huh? My current computer ran it okay. Thankfully, the beta had, like, DLSS in it. So that helped a lot. But it didn't run, like, amazing. Um, but I have new computer parts coming, like, pretty soon. So I'm getting, like, a major upgrade. Like, my first, like, big upgrade in, like, five years or something for my PC. So once that happens, hopefully... I'll get a big boost in performance, especially with that game. But again, I'm waiting every day. I hope I'm like one day. <laughs> yeah, it's going to go through one day, you know, but not yet. I think yeah, it's I'm really cool. Ahead. I was just going to talk about like I I'm have never really played a beta of something where I got to the end of it and I was like, I want to see what happens next. I'm really upset yeah. that I can't see what happens next. <laughs> but, like, I'm actually fairly invested in, like, Diablo 4's story. I think, you know, yeah, that bit with the wolf, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, is like, huh, I wonder how that's going to play out. Let's see that. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, I think they did a really good job of, like, building the world. And, and I think it also works really well as having, uh, like, I think it's the first Diablo game where, like, the whole world isn't procedurally generated, right? Like, the map is the map. Diablo 3 wasn't, um, but the things inside the containers were. 
Okay. So yeah, the the yeah. so like the the like you would always go if you're starting Act Three in Diablo Three, you would always go out the gate to the northeast or whatever, and there would always be a snowfield there. But like, and there would always be like certain cannons and stuff. But like the caves might not be there, or like once you went into the caves, the caves the might cave, be totally different. Like, would be totally yeah. different. But like generally, like it, it got to a point where like you could kind of, I mean, I know, I know Josh is the same way, but like you could, you could just be like, all right, uh, I know that this is going to be over here. So I'm going to go over in this. Here. Yeah. In this general area sort of. Yeah. Um, but then when they got to like adventure mode and you were going into like rifts and stuff, then it was like fully just procedurally generated, which was awesome. Um, yeah. Which yeah, I love I'm adventure just, mode. I'm interested to see how like the map not changing, like, plays into like how the game is received in the long term you know yeah. I mean, path of exile sort of like the the things in path of exile are actually procedurally generated but like the links between the different maps are always the same if that makes sense i don't, I don't know if it totally makes sense but like you know, every single map will be procedurally generated, but it will always have like, you know, this this beach one will always have an exit that goes to the next, like to this forest. But like the forest is going to be completely different every time you go in there. You can actually like manually reset the map rolls if you want, like in that game. Like you can literally click on the thing and be like, do it again. I don't like <laughs> it or whatever. Like it, it's it's kind of interesting. But um, yeah. I uh, I'm 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 really interested in it. <laughs> please, please approve sale. Please, full of God. I mean, you saw that the that the uh, what is it? The UK or uh, it's the EU, but the but the UK yeah. like was like mm. so they have to like appeal it in the UK. Yeah, the CM, they're going to appeal the CMA decision, but then uh, the yeah the EU was like yeah it's fine was approved yeah. It's been so interesting to see people it's a shit on like show, dude. on both sides of this be like, "Man, yeah, it's finally going to go through." And then other people be like, "Why does everybody think this is a good idea? This is awful." And it's just like I mean, the Polygon the, article it on brought up a good for. point where it was like, "Who would you rather have as your boss? Like Phil Spencer or freaking uh Kodak?" Yeah, Bobby freaking Kodak. It's like the answer is very no, simple. Yeah, <laughs> like it's no challenge. You know, like it, it's yeah. it's at this point as as not super comfortable with like big conglomerates as I am. Uh, it's better for everyone there, honestly. Like that company has been run so poorly, and all of the people that work there are the are the ones who have had to suffer because of it like it's only gonna make their lives hopefully better at least i hope so um yeah. so you know hurry up make it happen yeah because we know it's gonna happen right like there's no world in which this doesn't happen it's just being I mean, like delayed. Yeah, i don't know i don't know that i would say that but i think it is very likely to happen it is it is I think it's one of those scenarios where it's going to happen. It's just a matter of like what has to happen to make it happen. Because realistically, like, you know, Britain could be like, we're not going to let you do this. And, and uh, you know, Microsoft could realistically be like, you really can't stop us. We're going to do it anyway. 
And we just or or yeah or or they they offer enough concessions to the right people, which is like what always happens, you know. Yeah, you're like, gonna you're gonna offer the right concessions to the right people, and it's gonna you know it's gonna get through, or you're gonna you're gonna make promises like the whole thing with like Microsoft being like, hey uh hey Valve, like do you want us to promise that for ten years we're gonna put Call of Duty on Steam? And they're like, no, we don't care. Like yeah. it doesn't, that literally does because not it wouldn't, matter to me. Because to them, it's to drop in the bucket, right? It doesn't really yeah. matter. And, like, honestly, like, the big thing that's coming out is, like, it's not really about, like, Call of Duty, which is what all the, like, you know, everybody yeah. wanted to make it out to be. Because, like, Call of Duty, as successful it is, is not, like, it's a drop in the bucket when you compare it to the rest of the entire industry. The thing that everyone was concerned about is cloud gaming because it is the new thing and microsoft is basically at the forefront of it Um, which is so funny because yeah every every intent like that has been put out there like phil spencer has said this multiple times other people at microsoft have said this multiple times people at uh i don't know if people at, at abk have said this but like it is not about activision it is not about blizzard it is about king like it is about mobile dominance that is what it this purchases about i mean that too like that makes a lot like, of they have money said but... this explicitly multiple times so the fact that everybody talks about it like it's call of duty is like i mean well, now that's, if you if you want to not what believe sony them, wanted to wanted to make it out to be exactly yeah and but sony only wanted to make it out uh, make it all about call of duty uh if they could exclude uh nintendo from the competitive marketplace because Nintendo doesn't get Call of Duty and they're winning. They're beating everybody. They're beating the pants off of everybody. And with the release of Tears of the Kingdom, that's it's it's time for another beating, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's not it doesn't change a goddamn thing. That's what but, I mean. I think it's going to just happen at some point, like whether yeah. people like it or not, but it is happening. It's just a matter of what has to happen to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. It's been what, like two that... years of this like back and forth with all this nonsense. Like I'm getting so tired of it. I'm just like, can yeah. we just finish this so we can go back to <laughs> and I'll yeah, back we can normal. go back to not talking about this. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say something that I know that Will is gonna appreciate. Uh, the reason that Sony is making such a big stink about uh, Call of Duty going to Activision is because Sony can't make a Breath of the Wild or a Tears of the Kingdom or any of that sort of shit. They they could. They just don't i think it's more that they're worried about like oh my god we actually have to develop a multiplayer game like we can't just sit here on like making the same game over and over and over again and changing the sad protagonist you mean we can't just keep ignoring killzone and resistance and all that other stuff and yeah we actually have to try oh my god are you kidding me yeah well, maybe they'll actually bring back some good shooters. I would say, oh, they have to diversify our portfolio. <laughs> yeah, we actually have to like make. We more have to than make a not third person, not action, not third RPG person action game. RPG. Yeah, the, the the third person action RPG where there's a forest and people are generally sad. Yeah, yeah. And there might be a father or a father figure and a, a and rebellious a child. child you know. You know, it's we can't just keep making those those games that spawn those essays about this game made me a better father. Are yeah. those I oh my god. I'm like those essays exist, don't they? They do. Yes, they 100% yes. do. Yes. Yes, they do. Oh, For every Jesus. one of these games. Jesus this is, Christ. 
This is not a meme. This is a thing people look at and they actually think about. This is writing. a real thing that exists, Josh. Look at it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's uh, I hey, I am re- You know, we we talked about this. I don't know whether I talked about this on the show, but I really wish that Sony would be as creative with their development decisions and the games they choose to put out as either Nintendo or even Xbox. I wish that Nintendo and Microsoft's games would come out with the level of polish uh, and performance as the Sony games. And I wish that Nintendo would have as much of a focus on solid services and customer like forwards things as Microsoft. Like there's things that, that each one of these developers do, but when you come down to like the games, which is the most important thing, like it's it's it it is frustrating that that uh, you know no one gets not it hundred percent right. Would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think that if you were looking for a place to play games, like there is no place better than PC. And also having a PC and having a Switch, like you basically have access to everything. Mm-hmm. So that's Almost, yeah. but then but then. There's like a bunch of PC ports that have been coming out that have not been good. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, you got to pick your poison. Yeah. I I it's it's funny because if someone was to like if they were a very casual person, like I play games casually, I would probably just tell them to get a Switch, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Just because the like amount of stuff that is available to you, I really dislike how hard it is to find shit on the eShop. But the thing is, there is so much gold in those hills. <laughs> like there's yes. there's so much awesome shit buried in the eShop that like I've just gone digging around occasionally and I've been like, oh my God, they they remade this? Like when did this happen? Like Panzer Dragoon. Yeah. Like I was just digging around one day and it was like, oh my God, not only did they remake this and I didn't know but it's two dollars. It's like yeah. I'm buying this immediately. Like there, there's, there's all kinds of shit like that on the on the eShop that's like amazing. I can't say that about, uh, well, either Xbox or PlayStation. Like there are really good games on those platforms, but I feel like just the breadth of choice is just not, not as apparent there. Yeah. I think it's definitely Nintendo first and then probably Sony and then Xbox. Unless you consider like original Xbox and Xbox 360 stuff to be like very appealing, in which case I think Xbox would be second place, but uh it's it, it really just kind of depends on like the degree to which that stuff like really speaks to you. Yeah. And it it, it doesn't really to me ex- particularly because a lot of the stuff from that generation um got like remade or remastered so like you've got like the bioshock collections and things like this yeah so it's kind of like unless there's some glaring problem why would you play the old one you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's like I'll just unless in the one. case of like a super meat boy the old one literally has like different music or something like that, oh you know yeah I mean? yeah yeah but you come across those sorts of things because licensing yay anyways let me Talk about one thing real quick, and then uh, if we want, we can dip on out of here. I want to talk about 
one of the games that was on my short list for game of the year, the year it came out, which was, let me see, let me see, let me see, 2022. Yeah, so it was last year. One of the games that was on my short list for game of the year was The Case of the Golden Idol. And The Case of the Golden Idol just got some DLC, ladies and gentlemen. And it's exceptional. It's excellent. Just like the base game, if you're looking for a mystery to solve, if you're looking for some little brain twisters to dive into, to, to you know, chop your lips on. I don't even know if that's not a thing. Why would anybody say that? Uh, nope. Anyways, uh, it's, it's freaking awesome. So this is called the Spider of Lanka uh, DLC for Case of the Golden Idol. I, I think it's like $3. Hold on, let me check real quick. Spider of Lanka. Uh, yes, yeah, six six bucks. I, I, I wonder if that's the whole thing or not. Hold on. Let me actually check this out for you guys. Because I thought it was like $3. Okay, no. So the case of the Golden Idol is $18. And the DLC is $6, but it is on sale right now. So you can pick it up on the cheap. Uh, but yeah, it's freaking awesome. One of the things that I, that I praise this about is, um, it's really cool to, uh, inspect things around, you know, case the scene, get some environmental storytelling, you know, that I'm always raving about with your Elden's ring and your dark soul and all that sort of stuff. But uh, it, it's all about solving mysteries and checking stuff out and being able to bridge gaps in your mind and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's freaking awesome. Check out the video for Spider of Lanka. Uh, spider spelled like spider and Lanka, L-A-N-K-A. Uh, but yeah, it's freaking awesome. It's three little chapters. It's like fairly short. Um, depending on how clever you are and how you know, quickly you put things together. Uh, it only took me, I think like two hours, maybe, maybe two, three hours, something like that. But it was time very well spent. Uh, I basically spent like, I think like my Saturday night or my Sunday night, just like laying on the couch, just playing through it. It's awesome. It's awesome. So anyways, that's, I, I really don't have a whole lot to say about that. Other than that, like it's, you know, Go back and revisit my play, uh, right? Like, yeah, it's it's yeah. go back and revisit my case of the golden idol review uh, last year. I mean, it's it's awesome, it's awesome. But yeah, catch the fever, definitely. I think that's like my first. Uh, I think that's my first perfect review of the year. We'll see if we'll see if we get any more. But uh, yeah, definitely catch the fever. Um, there are a shortage of perfect games in this world. It would be a shame to damage yours. <laughs> <laughs> Ye old princess bride. Anyways, um, that's basically all I got. A lot of good games. A lot of good games about. Take care this, of yourself. This year is kind of packed with great stuff, like, already. And yeah. uh, it's it's not even halfway over. Dude, we are like a couple of weeks away from Street Fighter VI, which is also awesome. Yeah. And Diablo. And, and Di Final and Fantasy 16. Yeah. Which, 
some say has a possibility of being good. It looks some pretty damn it great. It's got, listen, it's got Yoshi P behind it. This man it does. brought you a little game called Final Fantasy XIV, which has, and I am not the even only MMO to rival WoW. I'm not even exaggerating, one of the best Final Fantasy stories in the entire fucking series. It's a shame that it's locked behind an MMO. It's a shame that it's locked behind a Realm Reborn that I've already cleared. <laughs> a Realm Reborn is like the low point. It just gets like better as you got. Once you get to Shadowbringers, you're like, God damn it, dude. Like Shadowbringers on its own could be like one of the best Final Fantasies. Like I, without I will I will definitely say that like I, like I, I subbed, I bought Dragonflight, which we're not, we're not going to talk about this week because we don't have time. But um, I've been playing Dragonflight, and I've been playing it with Will, and I've been enjoying it. But I've also been thinking in the back of my mind, like this feels good to be playing this. I also want to give FF14 beyond a Realm Reborn like another shot. At some Evan's point, Evan's word is really good. I'm, I'm not sure whether this is going to happen like um, directly after. Uh, like my, because I I only got myself one month of WoW, and I'm gonna see if I can get through the expansion in that time. Now, while I'm blocking the fucking flurry of amazing games that are coming out, who even knows what's gonna happen? But yeah, you know that that is that is my my plan. That is my goal. If I can do it, that'd be great. I will say the like twist that happens at the beginning of Heaven's Word, like right before the beginning of Heaven's Word, is the part where I finally got like hooked. Like, I played yeah. all of a Realm Reborn kind of being like, eh, I feel like I'm meandering with the same shit. And then suddenly, like, shit hits the fan, like, right before the expansion, and then the expansion starts, and you're like, okay, now I'm in. I'm into this. Because I, I did the big fight with the guy in the huge room, and then the room explodes, and everything collapses. But then I don't think I did really anything after that. So you didn't do any of the post content? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm telling you. Anyways. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, and that—that that is think, the thing. Like, think, it, is, it is people saying that like it's one of the best Final Fantasy stories, and I'm like, man, the best Final Fantasy stories like stick with me. Like, I still talk about how great Final Fantasy X is because it is great. It is. But it what is. I'm saying Three is Final like Final Fantasy X enjoyers in the ch- in the. But in that's the what I'm saying call. is like there's a lot to be very positive about with 16. Like, yeah, you have a great director who's got like a fucking amazing track record. And it looks amazing, like just visually looks freaking stunning. Uh, And it's like kind of a return to Final Fantasy roots in a little in a weird way where it's like very high fantasy, not like technological in any way. You know, Um, it it's like going to I feel like it's going to be this like very like. Like we're back, baby, like I hope so. I want to believe, but I will also believe in Square's ability to produce a great Final Fantasy when they do so for the first time in 20 years. It is single player. Seven remakes, good. That is true. We we all love Seven remake. Thirteen. Also, that's that's kind of making a great Final Fantasy game with the training wheels on. Let's be honest. Yeah, like you had you had something to work with. Let me rephrase: a great new single player Final Fantasy game, which they have not done in 20 years. Yeah. I like uh, 
13, but I know it has a lot of flaws, and there are things about that game that bug the shit out of me, but there's also a lot of things that, like, I have a lot of nostalgia for. And I actually think the soundtrack of 13 is, like, one of the best in the series. It's fucking phenomenal, and I wish... That's the one game out of all of them that hasn't gotten any kind of, like, HD remaster or any kind of, like, update. And I'm like, when, man? Thank God. This game... Thank God. (laughs) This game, no, because like there's a there's a fucking great game like buried under some of the like things in yeah. there that that hold it back. Like if they just fixed a few of those things and like upgraded it, like that game would that game would be pretty fucking great. Like I, it has a really good combat system and some really good shit in it, but it's all held back by these like really dumb, outdated kind of things. Like they could. They could, they could, they could fix that fucking game up. I will believe. I mean, it when yeah, it if they, if they, yeah, if they could fix those games up, then that would be three game, three ex- incredibly long games. That would be good, which would be fantastic. You know, that would be great. We'll see. If we could get I have a lot of faith in sixteen, and I'm and I'm excited that I'm going to be in Japan right before it comes out because I bet there's going to be all kinds of cool ass Final Fantasy shit for me to find. Yeah, I bet. I bet they're going to party it up, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, there you go. Everybody, this has been episode 275 of the platformers. Thanks for being here with us. If you want to watch the show, we record it uh, Monday nights in the Americas at 7 p.m. Central at twitch.tv slash platformerspod. Feel free to join us there. Feel free to chat to us there. Enjoy our company and all some such things. Take a look at our, take a look at our glorious faces that have been out on long walks and bike rides and all such things. Take, take a look at, at Kira reading a book or hanging out on the couch in the background. <laughs> Kira is looking at uh, Pinterest, I'm pretty sure. Well, there you go. Uh, anyways, if you got, uh, if you got thoughts uh, or topics that you want us to talk about, you can hit us up on social media. You can find me, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Ribnax, R-I-B-N-A-X. I'm also on Backlogged. Uh, you can also read my humanity preview, which is very, very glowing on IGN.com. Uh, the reviewer. Uh, agreed with me and gave it a nine. Uh, it's real good. And I believe it is out either today or tomorrow. So then you'll be able to go play it. It's freaking awesome. Uh, it's 3D Lemmings. It's awesome. It's Lemmings. Go get it. It's real good. Also, comment positively on my preview because people need to know that they want me to write more stuff. So there you have it. There you have it. That's what I'm doing. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at letterboxd.com slash Josh. Uh, yeah. The last thing I saw was Evil Dead Rise, and I wrote, like, a really long... Really long for me is, like, a paragraph. I usually write, like, a sentence on those things, but wrote a thing about it, so you can go read that there. Um, and then if you want to see all the cool video essay stuff I'm doing, you can go to youtube.com slash media is mythic. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bywellburger. I have a couple of things coming up at IGN, so keep an eye out for those. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I got a preview and review coming up. So Sorry. I've also got another preview going, but I will not be able to talk about that until next month, baby. Uh, and I'm also I'm also traveling to see something uh, early next month, which I'm very excited to be able to talk about on this show, potentially exclusively. We will see. Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. So. But I will definitely keep all of you appraised of this. Uh, anyways, thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you like the show, please review it uh, and tell your friends about it. From everybody here at the platformers, we hope you have a wonderful week. And stay safe out there because until next time, we are out. <laughs>